today on Emerging Daily. A couple of episodes ago, I've mentioned teaching about the tabernacle and the symbolism that is involved in it. Today, we're going to touch on that. This should be important. Why? Because as you study spiritual truths, it helps you to implement those things into your life. And when you begin to see the symbolism in these things, it can help you to further understand some of the teachings that are later on given because now you understand the foundation that those teachings are built upon. Jesus said there would be some in outer darkness and there would be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is what he's talking about. It's not talking about hell as an eternal torment. This is what he's talking about because when you're sacrificing, there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And there's darkness out here because, especially in, at night, there is no light apart from the fire coming up out of this altar. So when we're going through dark times in our life, what do we need to do? Offer sacrifice. We have to offer sacrifice. It's all talking about the same thing. It's all talking about you, talking about your spiritual development, your spiritual growth. You. This is a picture of you. The great altar, the brazen altar, can symbolize us taking up our own cross and dying daily. Remember in Romans 8, Paul said, All of us are as sheep led to the slaughter. We are each that Lamb of God, not just Jesus. You are that Lamb. I am that Lamb. And as we lay our lives down, that's the great altar. Once you begin to die to this old man, this old nature within you, it needs to be buried. You don't need to just keep carrying it around with you. You need to bury that thing. And there's parts of your life that just need to be buried and done away with. That's what this is speaking of. Burying it, leaving it, and going on. So that's one aspect of the labor. If it's really a spiritual book that's written by the illumination of the Spirit, the only way to understand it is by the illumination of the Spirit whole tabernacle is you. What Moses had a revelation of was God and man. This is you. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. Welcome to this edition of Emerging Daily. I am Scott Fisher, and I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. As I say in every podcast episode, I really hope that this is helping you in some way, that it's blessing you, that it's helping you to grow spiritually and to walk more and more in love, in a love walk, in your daily life, in your daily experience. That's the purpose of it. You know, I said in a couple of episodes ago, I've mentioned uh, teaching about the tabernacle and the symbolism that is involved in it today we're going to touch on that i'm not going into a really deep teaching because we could spend months on it probably even years in relating the symbolism because there's different dimensions of each 
understanding of the symbolism there. In other words, it's like an onion, and you can just keep peeling and peeling and peeling, and there's just a constant flow of information, of, of revelation, that you can get from an understanding of the symbolism that's involved in the Tabernacle of Moses, which was the blueprint for the temple. God gave Moses the revelation of the tabernacle, the instructions for the tabernacle. When he was on the mound, he said, make sure that you make it according to the pattern that I've shown you on the mound. And there is so much there. Like I said, we are just going to scratch the surface of it. And I thought about maybe doing a whole week on it. And then I'm afraid you'll get bored with it. And I don't want you to get bored. But, but I do want you to allow the teaching, allow the symbolism to really create a hunger within you to study. It's important to study. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I don't have time to study. You can make time. You make time for things that are important to you. And, and this should be important. Why? Because as you study spiritual truths, it helps you to implement those things into your life. And when you begin to see the symbolism in these things, it can help you to further understand some of the teachings that are later on given because now you understand the foundation that those teachings are built upon. And, you know, as I've said before, Western thought is based on a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation, an incorrect and incomplete understanding of much that is given in the scripture. In other words, Western thought is based on a wrong understanding or an incomplete understanding of the scripture. And once you begin to get a, a, a more thorough, a more perfect, a more complete and better understanding of the scripture and of the symbolism and how it relates to you in your in particular life, how it relates to your spiritual growth, because the whole book is based on that. That's what it's all about from the beginning to the end. It's based on you and your relationship with spirit and allowing God to change you and to manifest through you in your life for you to grow into the image of God in your experience. We're already there spiritually, but in our experience, in our daily walk, it's not true. And so it's a growth process. There's a progression. There's an evolution that takes place in our spiritual life. And as you have a better understanding of the symbolism that's there, then you can begin to really understand what it's saying. So it should be important to you, but I don't want you to get bored with it. And so we're only going to talk about it really as a teaching today. We're going to deal with it today. We're going to just barely scratch the surface of it. But before we get into that, let me just tell you, I'm not trying to promote a TV show. <laughs> but if you have not seen the new show on CBS called The World's Greatest or something like that, you need to watch it. I mean, it, I almost cried within the first five minutes. I already had tears in my eyes. The very first, uh, you had these guys from Korea showing some awesome, spectacular feats. They were just, <laughs> they were doing some amazing things. And even with that, and why would that make me cry? I don't know, other than just thinking about how there is nothing we cannot do if we really put our minds to it and see ourselves doing it and just doing it. And then you had people from all over the world there to judge from every, from not every country in the world, but most of the major countries in the world, there were people there to help judge what was going on. And not that judging is a great thing, but just to see all these people working together and, and cooperating and, and really promoting unity in, in, in that way. It just, I don't know, the whole show just blew me away. If, if you have not seen it, try to get it on demand or something from CBS, but, but you need to watch it. There was a woman there playing the violin with one arm, and well, really she had two, but one was 
closest thing, I guess, to a bionic arm that they have now. Maybe, I don't know. But the whole show just blew me away, everything about it. So watch it if you, if you get a chance. Now, back to, that was, a I, like I said, I'm not really into promoting a TV show, but that one just is awesome. And I don't, I'm not big on reality shows, but that blew me away. But back to our teaching. I'm going to get somebody to put on our website the schematic or the layout of the tabernacle that'll have basically the diagram and it'll have labeled the different parts. It's called furniture that was involved with the tabernacle. So you can, if, if you're listening to this through some other platform, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts or, or Google Podcasts or uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, whatever you're listening to this on, please go to the website. If you'll go to emergingdaily.com, that'll take you straight to the part of our website that is for the podcast. And then up under that, you'll you'll find a link to the actual episodes of the podcast. Then go to, don't just go to the overview, which shows every podcast. When you find this podcast, and we'll call it the Tabernacle of Moses, click on that link to go to the actual page for specifically that podcast because there is where we will have this in a pdf form probably but it'll help you and you can it'll be to where you can download it and use it in your own study but one of the things that'll help to understand where we're going with this in jesus teaching about the seed yeah it's given in in, uh, matthew i believe chapter 13 and i think it's mark chapter 4 where he teaches that it's called the parable of the sower in that parable, he talks about the seed, and the seed is the Word, and the Word is basically Logos, and it's not Jesus. I'm sorry if that's what you were taught. That's that's another incorrect. That's not what the Word means. It's it's The Word is what the Word Logos is, but it's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Christ, yes, but not Jesus, the, the person. It's the intent, the, the thought behind Everything that God has done and, and ever does, it's that, it's that intent. Well, as that seed is sown in each of us, through the teaching that he gives there in that parable, he says, once it begins to grow in good ground, it brings forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That is the principle of progression. And then um, in another place in Mark, it may be in the same chapter, he gives another parable. And he says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Now, in both of those, 30, 60, 100 fold, blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, those are all those three dimensions, three dimensions of growth. You could also say it's three ages. You remember our teaching that we've been talking about with the aeon and cosmos, both being translated especially in the King James Bible, as world. Well, in the 30, 60, 100 fold, you have three ages or stages or courses of development. Now, if you look at the schematic, the diagram of the tabernacle, the tabernacle is in three dimensions. You have the outer court, then you have the inner court, but the inner court is divided into two parts. So you have three parts. You have the outer court, the holy place, and then the most holy place, which is also called the holy of holies. So there's three dimensions, but in each, each of those dimensions is also three dimensions. There's three stages, three ages, three courses in each of those also. And if you look at it, it's, you might not see it right at first, but I'll explain it. In the outer court, you have the great altar, 
is what it's called in some places. In some places, it's also called the brazen altar. That's one. Then you have the laver. That's two. But in Exodus, when he's talking about it, it's called the laver and its foot. Anytime we see the laver in any kind of uh, diagram or pictograph or whatever, there's a top and a bottom. The laver is divided in two. So that's the two. So you have first is the, the great altar. Then you have the laver, which is a top and a bottom. So you have one, two, and three. Okay, then you go into the holy place, and that's pretty obvious. You've got the golden candlestick, you've got the table of showbread, and then you have the altar of incense. Three dimensions, three ages, three stages, three courses. And then you see in the holy of holies, well, you only see one, what appears to be one piece of furniture. But it's actually two pieces. You have the Ark of the Covenant, and then on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. So you could look at that as being two pieces. Well, what would be the other? There's different ways of seeing that. The other part to that could just be seen as being the presence of God itself, as being the third part. But you could also include the contents of the Ark. The contents of the Ark was the two tablets that was given to Moses that had the law on it. And then you had Aaron's rod that budded, and then you had a pot of manna. So those are three things. So you could look at it as being the, the contents as being totally counted as one, and then the ark itself as two, and then the mercy seat, which sat on top of it, as three. So there's different ways of looking at that. But in each, each area, you have three dimensions, three courses, three ages, three stages. Now, in each of those ages, each of those stages, each of those parts you also had a different cosmos. You had a different way of ministering, a different way of serving in the tabernacle. What you did at the brazen altar, you cannot do at the labor. And what you do at the labor, you can't do once you go into the holy place. Each thing has its own system of operation, a system of thought, a system of belief that goes with that. So you have different ages, and you have different systems all the way through it. And what again... What you do at the brazen altar, you can't do at the altar of incense. What you do at the table of showbread, you can't do in the Holy of Holies. Each one has its own system. Now, the great altar is also called the brazen altar because it's wood overlaid with brass. The brass is a symbol, and I don't have time to really go into why this is so, but brass is, is symbolic of judgment. And wood is symbolic of humanity. So here you have our humanity being judged. This is where all of your all of your sacrifices, any kind of animal sacrifice, any kind of sacrifice that had to do with fire at all, it took place here except for what was offered at the altar of incense, but it's not the same kind of fire and it's not the same kind of offering. But any kind of, especially animal sacrifice, this is where it took place. You could look at this as being symbolic of the cross. And I'm not speaking of Jesus dying on the cross for everybody. I'm talking about Jesus saying that he that follows me take up his cross daily and follow me. And Paul said, I die daily. This is you, your cross, your death, you dying daily. This is you offering sacrifice. And sacrifice is not sacrifice unless it hurts, okay? So this is parts of you that's dying. And initially, this is you coming to the Lord or Spirit and beginning to lay your life down. But even beyond that, it's you every day laying down parts of your life, sacrificing you for God. 
So that's the that's the brazen altar. You know, Jesus said there would be some in outer darkness and there would be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is what he's talking about. It's not talking about hell as a eternal torment. This is what he's talking about. Because when you're sacrificing, there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And there's darkness out here because, especially in, at night, there is no light apart from the fire coming up out of this altar. So when we're going through dark times in our life, what do we need to do? Offer sacrifice. We have to offer sacrifice. And I'm not talking about putting money in the offering plate. I'm not talking about going out here and killing an animal. I'm talking about sacrificing of you, of yourself. When you can't find anything else to do, sacrifice in some way to help somebody else. I guarantee you, if you do it in the right spirit, in the right attitude, God will show up. But another way of looking at this is also you have the natural, your natural life could be seen as being this outer court area. This is the only area that anybody in your world, in your life, can see. They can't see into the inner court. They can't see into the holy place or the holy of holies. Why? Because it was covered completely. The outer court is covered on the outside, but it has no, it has no covering over the top. So when people come into your life, they first have to come through the gate. There's a gate there before you get to the brazen altar. So when people come into your life, they come through that gate. You allow them into your life somehow, some way. But the only thing they can see is this outer, this natural. Remember, we, we talked the other day about Paul talking about the natural man and the spiritual man. Well, this is that natural. And if we're just naturally minded, this is all we think about is just this outward stuff. We think about outward things. And this is the outer court. This is where these things are dealt with. And so what are the purpose of these sacrifices that we're offering is to bring us closer into relation with the Lord. Okay, the Lord is there. The Lord, see, one of the great things about this altar, whenever they would move the camp, they would have to take down all of this and, and have it in such a way that it was portable. Well, everything that you see there in the whole making of the tabernacle, which includes those things in outer court, all of the furniture of the uh, holy place, everything in the holy of holies, everything in the outer court would all fit into this great altar, this brazen altar. So when they would take this all down and get ready to move it, they would pack it all into this great altar. All of this is in you. In other words, that's another way of seeing this. All of this is in you. This is a picture of you. All of this fits in you. And the presence of God is in you. That's what the Ark of the Covenant symbolized in the mercy seat, the presence of God. All of that's in you. So you can look at this as a picture of you. Everything God does is in three dimensions. So you have, you have a body, a soul, and a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. This is you. The body is your outer court. The inner court is the inner man. Remember, we spoke about this. Paul talks about the inner man or the inward man. And in Hebrews, it says that basically the only thing that can really distinguish between the soul and the spirit in our individual lives is the word. He says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. So in order to really distinguish between your soul and your spirit, really the only thing that can do that is the word. And that word sword there is really more of a, a surgical instrument rather than a big sword to go out here and kill a dragon with or something. It's talking more about the word there in the Greek is dealing with more as a surgical tool. 
a dagger, something sharp and something that you can make some surgical type of cuts with. So this inner court, the only thing separating the holy place and the holy of holies is a veil. But the whole thing is covered as one. From the outside, you can't see in there. And it just looks like one big thing. But there is a separation. And you have to be in there really to even see it, to know that it's there. So you have your outer court, the inner court, which is divided into the holy place and the most holy place, the soul and the spirit. Your consciousness and then the presence of God within. So if you looked at it as a journey into God, or into you, really, or God is, your body, soul, spirit. Paul said, in referring really to himself, he said, I knew a man who was caught up into the third heaven. Well, this is the first heaven is the outer court. Then you have the holy place, second heaven, holy of holies, third heaven. And he does, he's not talking about the physical temple. He's realizing, remember, he says he's the one that really gets into the teaching of you or the temple. Well, when he's called into the third heaven, he is so into the spirit. And then he says, whether in the body or out, I don't know. Well, when you are in that, when you are so into the spirit, and we talked, we touched on this just barely in the previous episode when we were talking about prayer. You can get so into the spirit that you don't even know that you're in your body. And it's even as though you're not, but you are, because if you weren't, your body would be dead. But that's what he's talking about. You could also see the seven days of creation symbolized here. First, you have God said, let there be light, the light of the, of the altar there, the brazen altar. And then you have the separation. He said, let there be a firmament to separate the waters above from the waters below. That's the labor. And then he goes on into the other days. And each of those are symbolized here in this tabernacle. It's all talking about the same thing. It's all talking about you, talking about your spiritual development, your spiritual growth. You. This is a picture of you. Hey, we'll get back into the message and teaching in just a moment, but we wanted to pause for a moment and tell you about some things. Please check out our website, EmergeNashville.org is the main site for the ministry, and we would really appreciate it if you would go there and check it out. You can read about the mission and vision of Emerge Nashville. You can uh, see some areas of impact that we want to make in Middle Tennessee and in the world. And it shares some things about the teachings and the beliefs and things. So we'd really appreciate it if you would check that out. Also, if you are on Facebook, please like our page. It's facebook.com slash emerging daily. Please go there and like it. That would be a great help to us. And also, if you would like some of the postings that uh, we do, we sometimes put on there about different podcast episodes, and, and sometimes we will make a sort of a little preview video that shares sometimes the introduction to different episodes of the podcast. And if you would like those and share those, that would really be a big help to us as well. And if you're on Twitter, please follow us at Emerging Daily. It's twitter.com slash Emerging Daily, but the uh, Twitter handle is at Emerging Daily. And if you would follow us on that and sometimes retweet or like some of our postings, that would be awesome. That would help us to get more people following the podcast. Tell your friends, families, co-workers about the podcast. That would be a big help as well. And consider supporting 
the podcast and the ministry. That would be awesome if you would. You can go to the website, emergingdaily.org, and there are links there to where you can do that. Also, please get on our mailing list. We send out a newsletter. We try to do it at least once a month, but also we'll do some email blasts where we are doing different things. That would be awesome. And also, like I said, please consider supporting the podcast. You can go to the website there, and there are links to uh, our Patreon page where you can donate on a continual basis or just a one-time gift. Anything would be great. It would help us. We are looking for places where we can have uh, worship and teaching times in Lebanon and in Nashville and or points in between. And we're looking for some venues that people would feel comfortable in, not just a churchy type situation, but different music venues or entertainment venues, places where you can come and just be yourself, feel at home, and be comfortable. So any kind of monetary support would help us in that way to secure those places. And also, uh, we're looking at trying to get some office space for the ministry. We're going to be having an online bookstore on the website coming soon, where we will have some different books that will really help you in your spiritual journey. So there's a lot of things we're looking to do. We have some different outreaches that we're wanting to begin. And if you were part of our mailing list, you already know about that. If you're not, we'll send some more information about those things. We're wanting to help with an HIV outreach. We're wanting to do some things. It's called Project Do Something, where we try to fill in the gap where other nonprofits and governmental organizations do not help in different ways. We want to try to fill that gap. And we're also wanting to do an outreach to some of the emerging artists that come into the Nashville area. Many times they're coming there looking to start a career, and they end up having to eke out a meager living with a minimum wage job or even less if they're having to wait tables or something and they can't even sometimes afford a place to live they come to nashville with big dreams we don't want to discourage them but we do want to help them and we want to also with that outreach to provide opportunities for them to learn to hone their skills a little and also to help them to get their artistry out to get their music out or get their their graphic designs or different artistry that they are capable of doing we want to help them get that out there so that they can begin to make a living using their skills and and gifts and talents and then we're also wanting to do an outreach to haiti i've been to haiti it's the poorest country in this hemisphere we're wanting to do some things to help them and also to help the lgbtq community there because they're going through a lot of uh, discrimination so we want to help them with that as well. So please consider supporting this podcast and this ministry because it will it will be a big help and we'll be able to make a big impact as you do so. And we'll get back into the message here in just a minute. We really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Please share it. Share the link on your Facebook and on your Twitter and whatever else. We really would appreciate it. Help spread the word about what we're trying to do and about the podcast. Thank you. You can get so into the spirit that you don't even know that you're in your body. And it's even as though you're not, but you are, because if you weren't, your body would be dead. But that's what he's talking about. You could also see the seven days of creation symbolized here. First, you have God said, let there be light, the light of the, of the altar there, the brazen altar. And then you have the separation. He said, let there be a firmament to separate the waters above from the waters below. That's the labor. And then he goes on into the other days, and each of those are symbolized here 
in this tabernacle. It's all talking about the same thing. It's all talking about you, talking about your spiritual development, your spiritual growth. You. This is a picture of you. Now, there are teachers that will say, well, no, this is, just t- this, this is just a teaching of Jesus. Well, we're the body of Christ, so even if, even if you want to look at it that way, still it's you. You know, there are, especially in the evangelical movement, that Jesus is the only one that can ever be like God. He is the only one who is the Son of God, and so on and so forth. I do not believe that, and I do not teach that anymore. I did at one time. Jesus was a pattern. Yes, I will I'll agree with that. But you are also that son or daughter. You are also the image of God in the earth. You are the body of Christ, just as Jesus was the body of Christ. And as a whole, as a corporate group, as humanity itself, we are the son of God. God only has one son, and that's all of us. We are all part of one another. But again, like I said, you have the three stages. You have the great altar, then the labor, which is divided in two. So if... The great altar, the brazen altar, can symbolize us taking up our own cross and dying daily. Remember in Romans 8, Paul said, All of us are as sheep led to the slaughter. We are each that Lamb of God, not just Jesus. You are that Lamb. I am that Lamb. And as we lay our lives down, that's the great altar. Well, then Paul speaks of baptism. He says, We're buried with him in baptism. That's the first layer of the labor. Whenever they would bring in animals to be sacrificed, they would wash them in the laver. And the priests who offered the sacrifice also washed their hands and feet in the laver. So you can see, in some ways, you can see the the symbolism of baptism, being water baptized, which is a symbol. There's nothing in the water that does anything to you, regardless of what Catholicism teaches, regardless of what the evangelical churches may teach, because each of them, there's some in that movement itself, like the Church of Christ, or different ones that say, well, the water you have to be baptized in water or you can't be saved is their terminology. There's nothing in the water. <laughs> it has nothing. It's a symbol, but it's symbolic of you being buried. And see, once you begin to die to this old man, as Paul calls it, this old nature within you, it needs to be buried. You don't need to just keep carrying it around with you. You need to bury that thing. And there's parts of your life that just need to be buried and done away with. That's what this is speaking of. Burying it, leaving it, and going on. So that's one aspect of the labor. The burying. Putting it under. But then you have the upper aspect of the labor. What does that speak of? It speaks of being baptized in the Spirit. Being immersed in the Spirit. And so that's another aspect of it. And also you can look at it as this. The priests had to anoint themselves with the anointing oil every time before they did any kind of service in the tabernacle. Well, you may say, well, I'm not a priest. Yes, you are. We're all priests and kings of God. It's in, uh, I believe, Deuteronomy. I know it's in Exodus. And it's also, Paul speaks of it, and it's in uh, Hebrews. We are all kings and priests. And so we have to be anointed in order to do service, in order to, to allow God to use us and for us to be doing what we are put on this earth to do. Well, what is that anointing oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And before you can even go into the inner court, you have to be you have to be anointed to go in there. So now once we are past the laver, we have to go through a door. There is a door into the holy place. Now Jesus said, I am the door. He's not speaking of himself. He's speaking of the I am that's within you. And you have to go through that door 
Because if you try to go through any other door, you're missing it. In other words, okay, let me give it to you like this. There are drugs you can take that'll get you into the soulish realm. You can have a psychic experience with drugs, okay? That's not the proper door. And there's all kinds of drugs that'll do it. LSD, uh, peyote, different things that'll get you into the psychic realm, the soulish realm. But that's not the proper door. You have to go through the right door. What is that right door? The right door is as the Spirit draws you in, He'll give you access, but first you must be anointed and you must be baptized in the Spirit to really be able to enter into that age, course, that stage, and you have to go through the right cosmos, the proper system of thought and belief to really understand and get in there to do service in there. There's different ways, as I said, of teaching this, different ways of understanding this whole teaching. You could look at it as each thing being a different stage in your spiritual development. But let me also remind you of this fact, too, that these things were done every day. They offered sacrifice every day. They had to wash every day. They had to be anointed every day. And every day they would go in. They would go into the inner court, to the holy place. They would have to light the candles of the menorah, the golden candlestick. They would have to put bread on the table of showbread. And they would have to offer incense on the altar of incense so this was an everyday thing okay so each of these things yes one way of looking at it is they are different stages of growth and development in our spiritual life but also you have to keep in mind each day you do this too you don't just leave it behind and forget about it each day we need to offer our lives as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god each day we are that lamb that is being slain each day we need to offer the different uh, sacrifices, which each animal symbolizes a different aspect of our personality and of our attitudes and emotions and these things that people see in this outer life of ours. Each day we need to bury parts of our life and just forget about it, leave it behind and go on and, pr- and forget it and leave it. Each day we need to be immersed into the Spirit and be, a, be anointed by the Spirit in order to really be who God put us here to be and allow Him to manifest in our life the way it wants to manifest. So this is each day. Now, once you get into the inner court and once you get into the holy place, you do have this golden candlestick. You have the table of showbread and then you have the altar of incense. The golden candlestick represents the understanding and the revelation that is given to us by the spirit because there was oil in those can- in that candlestick. And that oil, again, like I said, represents the Holy Spirit. And so the proper understanding of spiritual things is given by the Spirit, and it enlightens our understanding. This is not natural light. This is not natural understanding. This is not trying to look in the book of Revelation and seeing when it talks about different things. Okay, when it talks about grasshoppers flying around that it's talking about, well, now that's helicopters, or seeing uh, an atomic or nuclear bomb in there. It's not dealing with any of that. That's natural understanding. That's natural. It's not being illuminated by the Spirit. And so to really understand spiritual things, the Spirit needs to illuminate that to you. It needs to reveal that to you. And it, whether, it's, whether it's the Bible, whether it's uh, the Bhagavad Gita, whether it's the Quran, whether it's the Vedas, whatever, Scripture or Holy Book, you may be studying. It doesn't matter. Because if it's really a spiritual book that's written by the illumination of the Spirit, the only way to understand it is by the illumination of the Spirit. And then when you are illuminated in your mind, in your soul, by the Spirit, you can really see God in all of it. 
but the Spirit has to reveal it to you. Well, if the Spirit reveals it to you, what do we need teachers for? Because as I've said before, even the teacher is being illuminated in their understanding as they're teaching, as you as a student or as me as a student, whoever the teacher is speaking to, you pull these things out of that teacher by your hunger, by your thirsting and hungering after these things. You're pulling, you're drawing this out. And so you're helping the teacher and see the teacher is being taught even as they're teaching. But everybody has a different purpose and there are those that God has just called for that purpose. But within you, if you were on a desert island, you could still begin to see these things as the Spirit reveals them to you. Part of the purpose of a teacher is just to help create hunger within you or to stir up those sparks that are there and sort of kindle that fire a little bit so that you will dig and, and try to see for yourself. You need to know. See, the knowledge of a thing is not that thing. I can tell you all day about the ocean, but until you go and get in it, swim around in it, get on a surfboard or do whatever, you don't know it. The knowledge of a thing is not the experience of a thing. You need to experience these things for yourself. You need to get in it for yourself. But anyway, that's the golden candlestick. It's the revelation of the Spirit. But Paul also told Timothy, stir up that gift that is within you. That's why the priest had to light the candle. So you're stirring up that Spirit within you. Okay? Now, the table of showbread, what is that? That symbolizes the Word of God. Because remember, the, the Word is our bread. But Jesus also said we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This table of showbread is a symbol of communion with God and allowing God to speak to you in your innermost being and reveal to you its word, its purposes, its intent. Remember the word logos is intent or purposes to reveal to you the word, to reveal to you its intents and purposes, to reveal to you spiritual understanding, spiritual thought. That is also part of the candlestick but see it's hard to to go and, and eat if you can't see what you're eating so that's how those two work together but that bread is for the priest it's the priest's bread well we are each kings and priests so this bread is for you it speaks of communion and remember yesterday we, we sort of touched on that in prayer because this prayer is not just us talking it's also us communicating and communication involves hearing what the other person has to say and so god will speak within you so that's the table of showbread okay and then you have the altar of incense this speaks of our praise and our worship to god and it is a necessary thing and if you you may think well i don't get into praise and worship well you need to because if you are really into praise and worship you can be taken away just like you can in prayer if you can really get into praise and worship and I'm not talking about worshiping some god off of some, somewhere off some planet or some invisible something that we just can't see. It's more than it's not just a, some god off on some planet. Obviously, I think we can all agree to that. And those that say, "Well, I don't believe in God on a planet, but I do believe God's out yonder," well, it's the same difference. If you think God's off out yonder somewhere, you might as well be on a planet because that's the same thing. You're you're basically saying the same thing. Well, I don't believe that. I don't think you do, or you wouldn't be listening to this. But God is both transcendent and imminent. He's within us and without us. He's beyond all this, but he's also in everything because it's all in him. It's all in it. God is being. You remember we touched on this in a previous episode. God is being itself. There is no life apart from God. There is no anything apart from God. And it's all made of God. God is light. Everything is made of atoms and there's really subatomic things, but it's all made of light. And God is light. So worship is recognizing that 
and it involves sacrifice because the first time the word worship is used in the Bible is when Abraham is telling his servants that he, he and Isaac are going to the mount to worship. And what he's referring to is him taking Isaac there to offer as a sacrifice because that's his, his natural understanding of what God was trying to explain to him of a spiritual thing of laying down even the promises of God as a sacrifice. So worship is important. And that's what this, this altar of incense speaks of, is worship. And it was done every day. 24 hours a day, there was incense being burned. Now, they didn't stand in there and burn it all the time. There were periods of the day that they would go in and offer more incense. But it would burn, not just that one instance. If you've ever burned incense, you know it burns over a period of time. And our worship should be constant. But there are also times in particular, every day, every week, where we separate a, a period of time for worship and it's important and like i said if you get into it i mean you can really just have an out-of-body experience and i know that sounds freaky and and crazy to some people but it's true i've done it i've had it happen there's times when i've even broken down crying and something overcome me to where i was even crying like a baby on the floor and there's times when i was just so caught up in the spirit as john says and the, the introduction to the book of revelation he was in the spirit on the lord's day what does that mean he was in he was in the spirit. He was in prayer and in worship, and it says he was caught up. Well, I've been caught up too. I know what that's like. And it's not that you leave your body. You really don't, because like I said, if you did, your body would drop down dead. But it seems as though you are. And if you've never experienced it, you may think I'm just crazy and don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm making stuff up. But if you ever do it, and there are those of you listening that probably have had a, at least a touch of this in your life, it's amazing. It's awesome. And so that's what this is symbolic of. Then right next in front of this altar of incense is the veil. This is the veil that was rent the day when Jesus died on the cross. It says that the veil, once he gave up the ghost, the veil rent. And there's a whole lot of symbolism in that, and I'm not in, getting into that right now. This is the veil that it's talking about. It was rent from top to bottom. This is the veil within us. The priest would go in there, the high priest would go in there once a year, and he would have to have bells on the bottom of his garments, and he would wear a rope, because in their minds, they thought, well, he might go in there and never come back out. So the bells would make sure he was moving, because he was doing things, and then the rope was, if they, if they didn't hear those bells, and he didn't come back out, they could pull him out. But he would go in there with a blood offering once a year. The blood symbolizes life. And you give your life. And it's not just a once-a-year thing. It's, a, it's an all-time thing. It's an everyday thing. You remember, this is you. This is your cross. You are the Lamb. And so you can enter into the presence of God. Now, God is always in you. You are always in God because God. that's all there is, is God. We are in God. God is in us. It's the wheel within a wheel that Ezekiel spoke of. But there are times when you are in the presence of God. What that means is not that God's not always present, but it's we're not always in that consciousness of that awareness of the presence of God. But there are times when we can just, especially in prayer and in worship, you enter into that presence. There's no way to explain it. That's the reason Paul said it wasn't lawful for him to talk about. It doesn't mean that it was against the law for him to say, or God said, well, then don't talk about this. This is just between us. It, what that word really means when he says it's unlawful, it means there's no way, I have no way of explaining to you what I experienced when I was in that third heaven. 
And when you are in the presence of God, there's no way of explaining that to somebody else. You cannot, you can't explain it. Some people talk about having chill bumps and all this. Well, you know, uh, a ride at the at the fair can give you chill bumps. It's beyond chill bumps. You might get those, but it's beyond that. It's beyond getting on your knees and crying. It's beyond an emotional experience, but you can have an emotional experience as a part of it, but it's beyond that. It's like saying, okay, when you go to the ocean and you get in the water, you get wet. Well, there's a different kind of wet when you're in the ocean water and then when you're in the bath water. It's not the same. But when you get into the presence of God that's within you, it's in you, okay? It's in you. Again, this is a picture of you. This whole tabernacle is you. What Moses had a revelation of was God in man. This is you. And I'm going to leave it there because I want you to really dig into some of this. I want you to just meditate on, on this and, and contemplate it and, and, and take it into your prayer, take it into your meditation, but also take it throughout your day and realize you are the tabernacle. You are the temple of God. And this is all about you. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com, and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org, or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.